0: That's stamps.com. Code program.
1: It's time to walk to the back of the stand where the truth is really told. I'm Mark Saggers, and on the Sunday Night Club, we delve into the sports that matter, the controversial discussions that others aren't brave enough to have. When we look at the big problems, Sheffield Wednesday demonstrating after devastation with their owner and why they need to get it sorted. Everton, there'll be a chill win, no doubt about that, across the Mersey come the middle of February when Everton possibly could be deducted even more points. And what about Nottingham Forest? Mid-April, they will know, but will it be a spring surprise that has them smiling or not? Kieran Maguire, one of the great football finance experts, Andrew Mills, the former Brentford Chief Executive, and representatives from the clubs too, as we really get under what is happening at the top when it comes to the owners of these clubs. Howard Hodgson is the former director of uh, Aston Villa Football Club Supporters Trust is with us. And Jay Motty, Stretford Paddock YouTube is with us as well. We're doing uh, financial fair play and other things in the middle hour here. Neither of your clubs are involved in the current dispute. But just as real fans, as if I'm standing next to you on a terrace or something like that, it'd be a seat, obviously, we'd be standing on in the Premier League. But if I just turn turn to you, Howard, first of all, and said, do you think that it's really Uh, Right. The only way forward was this is if when everybody knows that there has been a problem with financial uh, fair play, that every club has, let's say, a month to deal with it and then it's dealt with rather than richer clubs being able to push it down the line with a coach full of uh, lawyers.
2: Yeah, I agree with you that 100 percent. I can't stand the way it's kicked down, you know, we all know who we're talking about here, yeah. um, Manchester City and Chelsea. I mean, in particular, Manchester City. I mean, I, I would like it to be a fair le- level playing field, for sure. I, I don't particularly agree with financial fair play. I don't think it particularly works. No. Um, you know, it, it perhaps it protects. Perhaps it is encouraging uh, more sensible business practice when we look at the January window that's just passed. Um, because people are realising that, you know, there are real teeth to it. Um, but then again, you look at what's going on at City and the clear, you know, 115 breaches, apparently. But, mm. you know, we hear nothing and yet we've got Everton and Forest suffering. So, yes, yeah. Mark, I think that would be fantastic if
1: you and had J- a month sorted yeah. sort it out. And Jay, what, what about for you as well? Because I think all clubs, um, we know what it's about. Until we get back to a stage where everybody either can do what they want, because that's the way of the world in the. Uh, Um, a democracy and what have you, but within football, for keeping people to account, I think it has to all happen at the same time if you've got charges to answer.
2: I think this goes back to that old argument about consistency. Whether it's VAR, whether it's refereeing, whether it's FFP, you just want to see some consistency. I mean, Everton getting dealt with straight away and getting a 10-point deduction and Manchester City having to wait two or three years or whatever, or the the world of football having to wait to see what happens to Manchester City's 115 charges doesn't feel consistent to me. It feels a little bit skewed. So I think if there's a consistent process there, where you know what's happening, you know how long it's going to take to deal with. And also, like you say, you can get it dealt with quickly. Then we can get back to that thing of you know actually watching twenty-two players run around a square bit of or a rectangle bit of grass yeah. rather than having to worry about lawyers and charges and who's got the best lawyers and how long this is going to take. Because call me old-fashioned, I just
1: prefer watching football than worrying about what's going on in the courts. Yeah, and so say all of us. I think. Well, one question to both of you. I've said I'm talking to all in the second hour. We're looking at financial fair play, Sean. Uh, do you feel, as a fan now, nothing more that? Whichever clubs have questions to answer about financial fair play, they should all be sorted as quickly as possible. Uh, and it should all be based on not how many lawyers you've got to defend yourself it not, and not based on how many charges there are and complicated things. You have to get it done swiftly.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, look, the it's slightly different cases. We've spoken about this before. Where you go over and you're bang to rights like Everton and uh, Nottingham Forest, or it's slightly more difficult to prove one way or the other with with Man City. However, it shouldn't drag on. It should be done, and I think the Premier League have got an opportunity to say, "Let's get it done before an independent regulator comes in, or it'll be out of their hands." So, yeah, good they've point. Got, a, got good. A point. They've they've got a chance to do it, or it'll be taken out of their hands.
1: Uh, Richard, what's your what's your take? Well, obviously,
2: Man City should be deducted five hundred points, relegated four divisions, and <laughs> that's obviously the only fair, the only fair solution, isn't it? But, but no, I mean, it, the, the rules seem to be a little bit um, unclear, don't they? You know, mm-hmm. no one's really sure exactly what Manchester City have done, what Everton have done, what Forest, all these other teams, and I don't know. Whatever the situation is, that the, the the charges against Manchester City, obviously they're only charges; they've not been proven as yet, but. You can't have that sitting over a club for one season, two seasons, whatever long it's been going on for now. It needs to be resolved. (laughs) And they need to resolve it Quickly, and what I mean I don't really whatever the punishment is the punishment is it's not you know I don't want Arsenal to win the league because Man City have been deducted points necessarily I want to win it because we're the better team and we deserve to win it but if that happens that happens but they need to get it sorted out because it's ridiculous that you know you've got Arsenal have, you know we didn't spend any money in January we, we're respecting the rules the financial fair play mm. you know these other clubs, Newcastle are trying to respect the financial fair play Manchester City don't seem to care because they know that in they've been doing is what these charges go back four or five Five, six years yeah you know what i mean and that's there still haven't been it still hasn't been resolved and it's it's mad that everton are suffering not in the forest are going to suffer now and man city broke the rules six seven years ago and they still haven't been punished and it's still going on and they may never be punished just because they've got more money. It yeah. seems unfair and I think there needs to be one rule across for everybody. If you break this rule, that rule, you, you, you get deducted 10 points, that's it. So it's like a yellow card, isn't it? You get a yellow card, you get a second yellow card, you get a ban for one game. If you get one red card, you get a ban for three games. Everyone knows where they are. So it should be the same with financial fair play. You break the rules, you get 10 points deducted. Everybody's the same, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no defense of that. You've broken, as long as it's been proven they broke the rules, yeah. make the punishment the same for everyone. And then everyone knows where they are. You can't. Treat Bournemouth different to Man City, or you can't treat Nottingham Forest different to uh, Liverpool. Everyone's got to be treated the same. It's one sport for everybody, one set of rules for everybody, and it needs to be sorted out. It, it is mad that, this, that Man City's charges haven't been um, mm-hmm. resolved yet. It's ridiculous, really,
1: isn't it? Let's be honest. It is, but it is. It is, it is, Richard. There is sort of things hanging over both Everton and Forest. Let's start there with um, things to be decided in February and April, Uh, Kieran. So just put us into context, uh, you know, how dire the situation could still be for both Forrest and at this stage Everton.
3: Well, we know that Everton have been given a 10 point deduction, but they've appealed that. Uh, That that appeal took place three days just over a week ago. And I think we're expecting a response to the appeal. Uh, a judgment on terms of the appeal coming out in the next week or two. I I anticipate it being before the end of February. Um, Then the Premier League, and I think this did surprise many people, it put through a second set of charges in respect of Everton, for the three years ended the 30th of June, 2023. And I think uh, Everton fans and other commentators have have pointed out that this appears to be double jeopardy. Um, if you're being sanctioned for the three years to the 30th of June, 2022, then it seems incongruous that you, you then subsequently do exactly the same. Now, it could be, um, and first of all, Everton could be, you know, Ultimately, innocent until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be that if there is any sanction, um, any points already deducted will be subtracted from the tariff if the worst happens and they could end up with with nothing but uh it, it is frustrating for fans we, we don't fall in love with football due to spreadsheets and accountants and lawyers mm. um and uh you, you can understand the the, the disappointment uh that the fans have put their faith in the owners and I, and I do feel at times that some the owners let them down um through uh not malevolence but more to do with financial mismanagements and complacency and arrogance
1: and um With Gavin uh, here, Gavin, if I could come to you now, I mean, there's this uh, sparkling new stadium that we're beginning to see pictures of down on the on the on the edge of the river there. It absolutely looks fantastic. And yet uh, the real fans that are for me uh, up front and there for one reason only, they can't get into a football ground, uh, basically, unless they pay to get in to watch their side play. And yet the financial problems that the club are having could mean that it's all been wasted, particularly in a season like this one or others, if you basically get punished again and again and again.
4: Yeah, it's clear I'm saying there's lots of double jeopardy here. It's, I mean, you get the impression, I don't get into too much about the rules, that you never expected anybody to breach these rules when they, when they were brought in in 2013, and, and they've let like, and nobody anticipated that once you breach them, what happens when you preach them the following season? It wasn't really thought of in in, in the rules, and 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 the Premier League and, and the Premier League clubs have, have you know caught a cold on this, haven't they really? And you know you've got this ridiculous situation where I think I'm writing it might go beyond the end of the season if there's an appeal against the second uh, second commission, and 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 you're right, Mark. People are just um, you know. It brings, there's so much unease in football generally at the moment about lots of things. Mm. But for and supporters of Evan and Nottingham Forest, it's just a great unknown, isn't it? You know, how many points have we got? How many points will we gain or perhaps lose? And also the clubs around us, mm. you know, both Evan and Forest are dangerously near the relegation zone or in it. And there's uncertainty if you're a Sheffield United fan, a Luton Town supporter, Crystal Palace fan. All those, all those clubs are affected as well, and it's not really there fight, the hit fight, is thing, it? No, it's... and, and the they, the other supporters that we should be thinking
1: about within all of this. Mm. Um, Andrew, uh, do join us, but I'm going to ask Kieran a, a question here now on this. That if I think back to Chelsea, and uh, I, I'm going to try and be careful here. When uh, Roman Abramovich was in charge of Chelsea and owned the club, he brought in players. He he seemed to do. Uh, what he wanted. I don't know whether uh, anything mattered in in many ways to him. What I do know is that he has not uh, paid uh, at the moment all the money that he made out of the club that he promised was going to be going to charity and, and, and what have you. There are things and we find out so much more about how never things don't seem to be straight in a lot of clubs and yet it is those that are in trouble or unfashionable who, uh, and seem not to have an army of lawyers that can do anything are the vulnerable ones here when it should be a level playing field shouldn't it as to to you know if you've done wrong you're punished
3: you're absolutely right it does appear that the new owners of chelsea have effectively self-reported the club mm-hmm. in respect of some allegations during the abramovich regime in terms of the 2.5 million sorry 2.5 billion pounds of proceeds mm. that were, were generated from the sale of the club to the the Bowley group that money is still st- st- stuck in the bank account that money is frozen because there's now an argument in terms of how do you define the the victims of the conflict in ukraine um, and, and that seems you know crazy given you know that there is mm. so much hardship uh, taking place on a day by day basis Um, In terms of a level playing field, well, um, under the proposed new rules that appear to be coming through in in respect of cost control, those are going to be index linked because it will be uh, wages as a percentage of revenue. So if your money goes up, then your wages go up. And yet Everton are are being uh, charged on a set of rules which came into being in 2013, as you rightly said, Mark. But we're now in you know, 2022, 2023. And if you index link uh, football revenues to that period, instead of £105 million allowable loss over three years, it, come, it works out as £216 million, in which case Everton would have been certainly within the rules and Forest would have uh, as well, we, mm. we
1: highly anticipate. Um, Andrew, good evening and, and welcome to this. Uh, just one to you on all of this is that should there, in some way, if it's not going to be sorted out fairly... I've got to think about the fans here on all of this every time. Not, not the players, not the owners, not the directors, not the other things. Just the people that work and have earned money out of the club, because they're caterers or taxis firms or whatever. Who perhaps will be the first to to miss out and lose out if a club goes under or, or whatever. Why why is it we can't perhaps now just have a complete amnesty? And start again because I don't see any any other way of it being fair.
5: Because unfortunately, Mark, uh, as as much as that might be uh, might be the most sensible route with hindsight to look at it, the reality is the rules were put in place, the rules have been breached. I, I totally agree with what Kira is saying. When I mean, if you go back to um, when Blackburn were owned previously before the, the Venkeys, the the chairman who was an exceptional. A uh, supporter of that football club left four million pounds in the nineties, which seemed to him to be, you know, a fair amount, a fair amount of money to keep the football club going. Well, we now know that that could be a monthly, a monthly wage bill. So, I, I'd always said, and I've always said to any board of directors I've ever worked for, that that standing still in football is going backwards. The Premier League moves forwards, and it moves forwards at a pace every single week. So, you you really can't put something in place and then not have an adjustment and not have uh, uh, the ability to kind of take a look at what that means in today's money and and there therefore lies the problem mark is you know it's very dull it's very complicated and we've got to find a better way of allowing supporters to 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 enjoy the experience because the one thing that 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 has been a constant throughout my time in football is is this this wish to protect the integrity of the competition mm. well where are we now with that? Because because yesterday I was watching football thinking, I, I don't know what this result means. I genuinely don't. Sheffield United. Fantastic. Beat Luton. What does it mean? I don't know because I don't know what's coming for these clubs that are under investigation.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And and really, um, it, it, Gavin, with with you and with Everton uh, and where you are, I mean, everything is just so much on the hold. And it, uh, I don't know how how it how it plays out a lot of the people that have been involved in this are no longer there. Are they anymore? I mean, it's, it's just, it, all it punishes really are the people who, whether they've done it through the turnstiles or because they've got sky television or they've paid money on other ways towards this club without a fan. The club is absolutely nothing because you could play all you like without fans, but if you don't have an income, that's through the fans in the first place, as we've said by all the different ways they can buy into it, there's no game. No, absolutely. I mean, I know what you're
4: saying about, you know, you can't punish the fans, but if the Everton board or probably narrowed it down hadn't been so gung-ho with their spend and the lack of controls around it over several years, then, you know, in reality... They are the ones who've got us into this position, haven't they? Of the club. You can we can say the Premier League punishing the fans, or the a commissions punishing the fans. Mm. But in reality, if Everton, if the Everton board or the Everton owner in particular, had behaved in a responsible way, we wouldn't be in this position now, would we? And yeah. I'm not, that's the way I I look at things, really.
0: Yeah. You know,
4: I, did, I, did, did, did the clubs make the rules, Mark? Don't they? You know, yeah. the, the rules were signed off in 2013. Of the 14 clubs, I think voted for it. Ever one of them. So you know, it's not something that we didn't disagree with, and 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 I think some of it lost in this. And I'm not defending the Premier League or the Commission here. What I'm saying is, as 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 a fan, I I want I want my board and my owner to act responsible. You know that the, they are the they are looking after the club, aren't they, on mm-hmm. our behalf? And they, they obviously didn't.
1: One of the real problems, Kieran, for me, is is not just the financial implications that we're talking about here. It's everything from private equity to who's coming in to buy these clubs to what sort of rights we're getting, who's getting the money for this and that. Basically, they're in danger of complete. I mean, they're all so jealous around the world of what we have with the Premier League, but it is our league. But it's a world league and it's the best world league at the moment because it's got more fans and supporters than anybody else. And yet nobody's playing by any sort of rules, obviously.
3: Well, I'm inclined to agree in in the sense that the rules were brought in with, I think, a a, a modicum of common sense in this uh, because football, the cost control had got out of hand. Um, but there has been no appropriate monitoring there, there's been no uh desire to to move with the times and, and that has very much discriminated against what you might call ambitious or aspirational clubs that who have had new owners over the course of the last decade and I include everton there and and, and I understand you know, absolutely understand where mm-hmm. Gavin has come from farhad mm-hmm. Mishiri um came in a, a bit like a new lottery winner and, and splashed the cash he, he splashed a lot of it. He didn't splash it particularly well, and, and the fans have been the ones on on the on the receiving end of that because it's the uncertainty. You know, at mm. least when I go to a match and I and I see my team win or lose, and, and you know, I'm a Brighton fan. We lost in the 96 minute yesterday. Yeah. Didn't like it, but I that's mm. that's football. And you accept it. I think the frustrating thing for Everton fans and for Forest fans, and also Gavin rightly said, all of those fans in the clubs around because they don't know whether we should be going for a win or a draw. For a particular match, because you don't know the outcome of what's going to happen to to Everton and Forest. So the rules, I think, are flawed from a from a person who's sort of vaguely involved in finance. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, it does create huge uncertainties uh, for for people, and we go to watch football to forget about money, to forget about finance, mm. to forget about the drudgery of life. It's our one big escape route um, as fun for fans. And you spend as much time these days talking to your mates in the pub beforehand and at half time when you're supposed to be having a quiet pint and enjoying life, uh, talking about mm. amortisation and financial fair play and cost control and commissions.
1: That's not football. No. Yeah, absolutely right. Kieran and Andrew have got plenty more to speak about in this hour. We're going on to Forest next. Just a final word at this stage, Gavin, with you and the fans. It, it, this limbo is torture, isn't it? Uh,
4: that's just on the pitch, Mark, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, <laughs> I think um, off the pitch is equally more torturous. And we don't want to get into talking about the, the ownership issue with Evan. Do we really? You, you, you put it right there. You said uncertainty that's the key thing, isn't it? And nobody likes uncertainty. Whether you're a, a you know a business owner or a fan or whoever, and, and it's it's that uncertainty at the moment. That's just it's just never ending, is it? And and will not be not be known I think in full for the several months now.
1: This is the other big problem, isn't it? You nearly feel that the cartel at the top of the Premier League not only can they. Um, break the rules or there is suspicions that they've broken the rules but they can make sure as well that others will definitely break the rules because they won't be able to compete with them
3: you're absolutely right mark if if we actually take a look at the data when nottingham forest were promoted at the end of 2022 the total cost of their squad all of the players put together came to 12 million pounds now we have three clubs in the premier league manchester city manchester united and chelsea who have squads that have cost more than £1 billion, i.e. Forrest went up with a squad which cost 1% of that of the uh, of the elite clubs at the top. And in addition, they were only allowed to lose £61 million over three years instead of 105 because under the way that the rules have been put together, for every season in the Championship, you can only lose £13 million, and for every season in the Premier League, it's £35. So they're coming up, with with one hand tied behind their back, and then the Premier League ties another hand behind their back. And in relation to Brandon Johnson, and personally, I still wish he was at Forest, as uh, uh, as he scored the winning goal for Spurs yesterday. Um, <laughs> but as as far as the, the player was concerned, this this is the lunacy of the rules, in the sense that we've seen some clubs being forced to sell players on the 30th of June to try to comply with uh with with the cost control rules and um, in order to be within the threshold and therefore they've had to sell those those players at a discount uh, and Forrest themselves admitted if they'd sold Brennan Johnson on the 30th of June they'd have got 30 million instead of 47 and a half how can a club you know, having to forego £17.5 million when it has achieved you know, its main aim of, of uh, staying in the Premier League in the first season, how can a club be penalised to that extent by accountants and lawyers and uh, and the suits? Uh,
1: I'll come to you, Andrew, in a moment. Des, I just want to welcome you to the programme. I mean, this is a frustrating side of all of this for Forest, and you're I believe, going to be waiting to, till towards the end of this season now before you'll actually know your fate. It is, Mark. It's extremely frustrating, looking look, looking at what Kieran says there, listening
6: to what he's saying, that Boris were already sort of behind the eight ball, so to speak, coming out of the Championship. Because the way it happened as well, they were languishing around the bottom. It was a little bit of a miracle. You know, it, it was always going to be hard to compete, and whilst the rules do seem a little bit of fear, there's a little bit of frustration as well for myself in the way the club's been run. We signed all those players. A lot of them was a waste of money in reality. You know, We signed 44 players since we got promoted and, and you can't put that many players on a football pitch over a season. So a lot of it seems like wasted money and then there was issues around shirt sponsors and things like that. So there's potentially a little bit of arrogance. What frustrates me as a fan, this news came out just after we'd beat Newcastle and Manchester United and everybody starts looking up and confident we'd stay in the Premier League. And then the news hits you. And and since then, we've gone back into a slump. We're looking over our shoulder. And if, if we get points taken away, mm. um, whether it's fear or unfair, it's going to really sort of hit us hard and be a real struggle to stay in the Premier League based on what's happening with FFP. Uh, the,
1: the more we hear about all of this, Andrew, as well, the more... Um... I would like an an open meeting of which we'll never have, of course, of the owners of the Premier League when they sit down together uh, with their chief executive and everything. There must be a lot of laughing going on as to what happens to some of these clubs coming up as far as they're concerned. There's a there's a despicable thought of uh, uh, f- from me, possibly, but I don't think it is despicable that these people don't care at all about the league. They only care that they know they can get away with it because they're basically in control.
5: Well, of course, I mean, the reality, Mark, is that, that they're not seeing it as as anybody would from the outside or, or, or that looks at it independently. Um, w- what I would be seriously concerned about and what I was seriously concerned about throughout my time as a, as a chief executive was was the want to retain the status quo, the want to make the bridge really, really long and arduous. And 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 this is doing exactly that. What it is, it's actually it's actually creating kind of financial doping through circumstance. Because mm-hmm. yes, I would agree that 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 Forest spending, um, and of which I think it was in, in the region of 150 million pounds, was, was was way beyond what was needed. Um, however, they probably did that on the basis of feeling that that was the squad they needed to stay in the division. Um, and in itself then creates a problem. And and again, if we look at, as as Kieran said, if we look at um, Brennan Johnson and and them losing, you you know, uh, significant sums of money, well, the sums of money that they lost are going to pale into insignificance of the money that they'll lose if they actually uh, adopt points. But again, this 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 is financial doping by independent parties. It's it's they're almost they're almost being maneuvered to fail. Um, unless, unless by hook or by crook they're able to achieve um, to achieve a squad good enough to stay in the Premier League for the sums of money that that wouldn't put them foul of the the regulations, and it just doesn't work.
1: No, um, uh, Kieran, does this, this, this sounds silly and everything? Is there any way that a club? You know, thinking of this, that knows that even if they're they're going to get a season in the Premier League or whatever, or they they might not, and they've they've got all this ridiculous thing. Is there any way they could become a charitable trust? Is there anything like that they can do to sort out uh, the 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 big boys who don't care for any of them who sit round that boardroom?
3: Well, I'm I'm a teacher rather than a lawyer, but I I don't think that that would work um I, I unless you, you're gonna have to get an awful lot of people from an awful lot of independent sources to provide funding so I, I don't see how that could be successful um having a billionaire owner does help and, and you <laughs> know Mr Marakanakis has been a very generous benefactor to yeah. to Nottingham Forest um you know I, I think as it will been said uh, the, the quantity of players uh, signed has, has been eye- eyebrow raising. I think on a qualitative basis there have been flaws but they did retain their Premier League status last season mm. and it's only the second time in about the last 15 years that that has been the case where all three teams that mm. have gone up have managed to avoid coming down straight away again but it is an expensive uh, enterprise if you're going to try to do that.
1: And one other thing with all of this that we we tend to forget about as is well, if they lose these points and they go down, uh the footballers can, you know, they can ride the wave. They, if they, if they haven't been stupid with their money, they, they'll have made enough money to to look after themselves, and they'll they'll get a move if they want one or not. Uh, the boarders you've mentioned, you know, they're in a reasonable position, and it's the people that work for the club, those from um, the media side of things, that will be cut again. From the catering side of things, that will be cut. Again, those that perhaps rely on them and the businesses around the club, they might all lose an awful lot more. They might be owed money that, that still hasn't been paid to them and everything that they, they never see in, in the same way. There is, basically, it seems to me that football clubs now are owned by people who do not give a jot for the people in the community that they're making their money out of.
3: I agree. You know, a football club is part of your identity. It's part of the history and the heritage of that town or city. Um, Nottingham Forest have won the European Cup on, on two occasions, and it was a magnificent achievement. You know, they're now in their second season in their Premier League. Well, when they were promoted in the 70s, in their second season, they won the top division because it was possible in those days to to take such an approach, you know, to be competitive with the big boys. Now, that that those days are, are sadly... Um, way beyond us. And, and I'm old enough to remember Forest, Derby County, Everton, Aston Villa, Blackburn, Leeds United, you know, all of these clubs who, if we're honest, will never win the Premier League again. And, and I think that's sad for football um, because such is the focus on the larger clubs and the, the, the way that the the non-elite Big Six, who... Who just happened to be in the right place at the right time have been have been put in such a position of power, and the other clubs have been marginalised. Uh, you know, it, it's now it's it's treated as a great achievement if you finish seventh or eighth in in the top yeah. division. If you take a look at Spurs, though, their first ten years. In the Premier League, their average position was tenth, and their highest position was fifth. And yet, they're supposed to be one of the clubs to which we aspire to. Now, as a business, Spurs are absolutely fantastic, mm. but in terms of a trophy-winning club, yeah, mm. their fans aren't necessarily happy about that.
1: No, that's good points that you make. Um, as far as you're concerned, Des, and, and and what you from those around you, the fans and everything, um, you know, this contemplation that we might, you might get to within a month of the end of the season, or even closer than that, if it's late April, that you, you get to know that the whole season, it's been a waste of everything, all of it, your time, your money, your opportunities, what you've done, what you've had to do, what you've bought, what you've, what you've sacrificed otherwise, for something that's been taken away from you by big boys deciding that they don't want you to become any bigger.
6: And that's exactly it, Mark. That's where the frustration comes in. Firstly, that the rules aren't equal and we're not on the same playing field from the start, but, but also from the club's point of view. And you, as a fan, you invest a lot of time, effort, your own money, you know, on a much smaller scale, of course. But it's it's then going to games and and doing what you have to do to be a part of it and experiencing the highs. And, and that's what I was touching on before about those two victories. If we got six points taken off, for example... And we get relegated for an administration issue rather than footballing reasons. Then it, it it's almost like you might lose a bit of faith in your club and might lose a bit of faith in football and the Premier League and ever wanting to sort of be part of that again. It it's a brutal place, the Premier League. We've been back. We we clamoured for it for years and years and years. It took us 23 years to get back. And 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 since we've been there, we've just found it. It's tough. It it's really hard to compete even on a game-by-game 90-minute basis, you know, with some of these big boys who have got so many advantages that are not, that that should be ironed out. I know what they're saying about about you can lose so many, as many years you've been in the Premier League, but at the start of August, you should all start from the same playing field. You should be able to spend the same money. You should be able to Mm -hmm. do the same things because it's a competition. You can't, start a competition with rules sort of all over the place and Man City can do this and Everton and Forest can do this. It, it just it just shouldn't work like that. And then again, it's the fans that suffer again, isn't it? Everything, whether it's VAR or all these rules they put in, ultimately, see, it's the fans of the clubs that yeah. suffer.
1: The, see, the other thing, Andrew, with this, and, 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 and you'll know this only too well, and we'll we'll come on and talk about it in the, in the last part as well. But, you, you know, the, the, there are clubs here that can do what they want, basically, can't they? And seemingly get away with it, whereas uh, you know this 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 tawdry idea that if you break a rule one hundred and five times, it's going to take ten years to decide your fate. Um, just just look at two or three of them, and and book them uh, as they would do you or me for speeding or something like that, and get on with it.
5: Yeah, look, I think I think um, I think you know the the, the misapprehension it. it, it is that premier league chief executive chairman board of directors are are working against kind of other clubs or working against particular clubs coming up or or, or trying to skew the trying to skew the the the, um uh, the balance in their favor they're not they're 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 just incredibly focused on their own position which means they don't take into account where the rules leave everybody else but they're in, a, they're in a somewhat uh, invidious, a new word I've learned, invidious position, I think. However, that, that doesn't give you an excuse to allow it to continue. Now, the, the problem that they know that we've all got, because we're all addicted to this thing we call football, is that the reality is, if I told you, uh, Des, that this was the situation, this is, uh, is going to be the difficulties that you're going to face, it's going to be incredibly difficult to actually try and achieve that, do you want to still take the chance? I'd suggest that 99.9% of fans, whether it be Nottingham Forest, Brighton, Tottenham, Brentford or whoever, would say, yeah, go on, let's, let's flick the coin, let's spin it. And they know that, Mark. The, 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 the regulators know mm. that. So they know that they've got a willing audience already addicted to the product. Mm. So the reality is that before anybody actually says, hang on a second, let's just look at these rules. Let's look at what that means to us. Let's look at what that means to football league clubs trying to aspire to come up. Before they'd done that, everybody said, yeah, I'm in, I'll have a go. And so all of a sudden, it detracts from the reality of, as I said, the status quo remains the same.
1: All sorts of problems and protests and everything else going on with the uh, uh, owners at the moment. And, uh, you know, for uh, their owner, whose family, the Chensey family, of course, and everything else uh, that were involved in all of this, have uh, the world's biggest uh, canning of tuna fish. Well, the only p- person that's been on the hook here have been the Sheffield Wednesday fans because it's been a nightmare from start to finish for them. So Kieran uh, is with us. Kieran, you've, th- this set of wonderful stuff. Uh, and we're going to talk about this first of all. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining us. And uh, and Andrew's still with us as well. Um, you know, they sold... I mean, this, this bit, Kieran, that, that you put... You know, they... Over the last decade-ish, as you put uh, on your excellent tweet, um, the club now has accumulated losses of £132 million, despite selling the stadium to the owner. £38 million pound profit. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? I think
3: it is a, a function of modern football and the, the challenges, uh, especially if you are trying to get into the Premier League. And Mr Chanseri, he he has put his money where his mouth is for a few years mm-hmm. before he appeared to turn off the taps. And it means that Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield Wednesday fans have suffered Yeah, There's been points deductions. We have the position now where Sheffield Wednesday has lost an awful lot of money. The club no longer owns Hillsborough. It's paying 50,000 pounds a week in rent to the owner for the stadium, which has been the home of of Owls fans since the day they first went to the match with their their mum, their dad, their uncle, their grands, parents, or whoever it was. So, I think it is indicative of of the the real financial hardship that exists outside of the premier league we saw derby county lose 200 million pounds under their owner before the club went into administration so so sheffield wednesday is not alone i think it's indicative of just how tough it is um and uh, a wednesday fan asked me to to summarize the numbers so I put together a bit of a, a scribble on uh, on social media.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's, it's really good looking at, at everything from net debt to gross squad costs over the, all the years from 2011. It's it's fantastic. Uh, before I come to you, Andrew, I, I mentioned Dan Fudge. The Wednesday Week is with us, Dan. I mean, where are you exactly as a, a fan base and thinking at the moment? Because there've been protests this weekend uh, again with your early game this weekend and what have you but it it must get just so frustrating and tiring that you're turning up to watch a football club and your team but you know that it it's never ending uh, what you're having to do
7: it it really is and, and and there's like like i mentioned i think it was last week when i when i was on this show there's uh, there's the group the uh, the club 1867 group and they've uh, over the last few months they've really started to gather pace because I think a lot of the Sheffield Wednesday fans are starting to realize that for a number of years for a, for a quarter of a century now uh you know they've been coming in they've been paying their money they've been turning up we've still got some of the highest highest attendances in the league uh but we don't seem to be getting rewarded with anything but you know, uh, at one point we did have um, our day out at, uh, at Wembley that we unfortunately lost to Hull in 2016. Then we got to the playoffs again the following year. But I'm just looking now at, at Kieran's uh, fantastic P&L that he's uh, that, he, that he whipped up on a whim. Apparently, <laughs> that, that that's really impressive. And uh, and looking at some of the wages on that on that sheet, they're they're astronomical. Yeah. And uh, and and I feel like what we are we're in a world where just like you say, Mark, we've got these we've got this universe of other clubs that don't have parachute payments trying to keep up and to try and come up with these new innovative ways to make money, but also coupled with the fact that our uh, that our chairman's not the, uh, not the best chairman in the Football League, to put it lightly. No, that's a
1: good point that you make. Andrew, um, a, a lot of people uh, texting us uh, tonight and tweeting us as well, keep them coming in because uh, we always look at all of them on this show, uh, is that um, why no why no cap on salaries why what is the problem of having a salary cap i've never understood this i mean the nfl have a salary cap and others you know we follow america 20 years later with with big riches and everything for players and i understand all of that but if a player who's on i don't know uh three four hundred thousand pounds a week and it gets cut down to a hundred thousand pounds a week for all of them well take it or leave it go and find somewhere else that you're going to get that you might get it in the Middle East, but you won't be enjoying your football. Why don't they? Why don't they? Why don't why don't they play the game of, of uh, of challenge against these agents and these players and and get things back to um, some sort of sanity?
5: Well, as I told a, a, a group of chairmen some years ago at uh, the Football League conference, having been on both sides of that table, just say no. I mean, quite literally, draw the line yourselves. The problem therein lies is that a number of chairmen along along the line don't want to be curtailed um, to take their opportunity to push their club towards what they see as as the promised land in the Premier League. And so you never really get uh, the numbers of that you need to say no because you're always going to have a couple of clubs that feel like their circumstance is different and that actually they're not hampered by these rules and regulations. The reality of of, of, you know, I would say that I would say if you look over the conversation of the last hour, the reality of that is that the model itself is broken. Mm. We've said this before. The model is broken, and and it's really, really difficult to try and now find a one-size-fits-all panacea that fixes all of the issues. Mm. What what we've always said is that doesn't excuse trying to or not trying to, and and therein lies the problem. Is that, you know, you need you need. You need 75% of any division to change any rules before you start looking at, at, at going across the other divisions. And you just don't get it because mm. there's an independent want for for uh, for somebody to look uh, at their own football club and, and feel that their own but, football club isn't going to be in this situation. I, well, it I, is. Everybody can be where Sheffield Wednesday I, is now.
1: I understand all of that, Andrew. But Kieran, uh, what I, no one ever takes anybody on in any of this, do they? Because... Look at, look at where the financial situation is. We've, we've had a, a Conservative government that have lied their way through most things and football has been one of them and pushed down the road as far as they can and it's not going to happen before um, there is uh, going to be the next election anyway. Um, so, you know, all of these things are, oh, we just will look at that and we'll get something sorted and then we'll be able to do it all. Why don't, why don't the Premier League, of course they won't, But why doesn't football, the football uh, in this country, say, right, you know what, we are having in this country, in law, because the independent regulator who's in government or whatever, we're going to make a law that we are going to have a salary cap. And if that salary cap is 150,000 pounds a week or 100,000 pounds a week in the Premier League, so be it. Most of most of it, seemingly for me, is wasted by a lot of these players and and their agents and everybody else anyway, Kieran. So, um, you, you know, I just don't understand why we don't somehow get on with it.
3: I think everybody acts in terms of self-interest. Um, the the Premier League and the EFL have had years of opportunity, uh, collectively and individually as organisations, to to determine a set of cost control rules. We do we do have a salary cap as far as League One and League Two is concerned. Um, in League One, it's sixty percent of revenue, and in League Two, it's fifty percent of revenue. But then there's an additional rule that if the owners put in money. Uh, for every pound that the owners put in, in the form of equity, you can spend an extra pound on wages. So so as Andrew was saying, you only need two or three. They're not even rogue owners. They, no. they, they say, I've got a lot of money. I'm ambitious. I want to see the club get promoted and therefore they add the rocket boosters. We've seen similar in terms of what happened with Roman Abramovich and Sheikh Mansour when they came into the Premier League and there were no cost control rules. They said, well, let's treat this as a trophy asset. I'm not interested in in how much the players get paid. I just want to win trophies. You don't see any Manchester City or or Chelsea fans complaining as a result of that. And and indeed, those two clubs played each other in the 2021 Champions League, which is a testament to to not having cost control. You, You tell me a single Manchester... Manchester City fan or Chelsea fan or or a member of staff who was unhappy at being in that final with the exception of the fact that it was taking place during COVID and the fans couldn't physically attend. So we we have this this paradox that as individual fans of individual clubs, you want your club to spend as much money as possible because sustainability is not why we fell in love with football, Mm. uh, even though Collectively, we we know it's probably for the greater good of the game. Uh,
1: One of the other things, Andrew, uh, the the problem for me with all of this, I mean, I sat down once a month with Bruce Buck when he was chair of uh, Chelsea Football Club just to learn more about things and what have you, very much at the time with Jose Mourinho and Roman Abramovich. And the one thing he always said to me every time we met was, it's never about the money. There is always money. He will spend as much as he wants. He doesn't care selling shirts. He has the money. We want to win. And with that sort of thought, uh, you're never going to win if you're other clubs that can't compete with that.
5: Well, no, as Kieran suggested, it, it, it's it's uh, simply not in their interest or simply not in the individual interest. But we want a fair, However,
1: fairer playing field, don't we?
5: Well, yeah, certainly. and And, and that's what I mean, that's what they're trying to achieve in some regards without risking themselves. So, yes, everybody suggests they want a fairer playing field, but not not at their own cost. But what I would say um, is that what we are seeing and what we have seen in January is absolutely a result of these clubs kind of being docked points, uh, exact, absolutely a result of, of profit and sustainability rules. So it is trickling, trickling. Right. I'm going to come in and I want Premier you to year. say
1: that because that's a really good point that you've made. But why then? They, the only reason they've, they've not overspent in this January transfer window, because they are worried suddenly the points will be deducted from them. But these top clubs won't be thinking quite so much about that next time because Manchester City's got to get away with it for 10, 15, 20 years. It's the Charles Dickens bleak house of this football area and and time. You know, they don't care. They're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 lawyers Push it all down the line. It's never going to happen. We just need somebody to take control of this blooming league and say, right, if you want to play football in this country and you own this, we are going to make sure, it has to be government, that we'll pass a law that you can only get this amount for uh, salaries and this amount for other things, and the debt then wouldn't be a problem.
6: I think you're throwing your hat in the ring there, Mark.
1: Sorry, Kieran? I think you're throwing your hat in the ring there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, Andrew, as well. No, it absolutely has to be an independent
5: uh, regulator that, that that will do that because you're just not going to get it from the clubs themselves. Because again, for a, for a large percentage of of the league, they they didn't they haven't had to operate under those rules, and so actually they built up a business and a war chest that means this doesn't affect them. That's without. The individual people that are and and have the ability to to mm-hmm. to uh, finance these businesses, and again, should we have any issue if somebody has has the money to back that up? Well, not really. I mean, it just means that, that that somebody's more fortunate than 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 the other. But you know, the reality is there is a trickle effect. It is it is having some effect, and again, I think we have to celebrate some effect rather than no effect. However, we also have to learn from the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, the likes of Reading, the likes of Nottingham Forest, and all these other clubs, and, and try and ensure that the that the rules and regulations are constantly, constantly moving yeah. to take into account uh, the cer- uh, the circumstance.
1: Thirty seconds, uh,
7: Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, where we go then, does? I I I don't I don't know where we go from here. The fans have been very loud. They've been they've been sh- voicing their discontent and. I don't know where it's going to go because we've seen these these clubs get these get rid of their chairman they get a new one in and you know they've not always been better every time. I know our chairman's got a few quid so I'm kind of on the fence with it, but I don't I don't know where we go from here because if we if we spend our money we support our club, if we don't spend our money the club falls away. So what do we do? We don't get that time with our family, our friends go to the football anymore. Dan, thank you very much. Indeed, Kieran, you've been brilliant as always.
1: Andrew, thanks for your thoughts too. That's it for this episode of Back of the Stand. And thank you to all my guests and, most importantly, to you. Hope we've given you something to speak about. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. So from me, Mark Saggers, we'll take that step up to the back of the stand next time. Goodbye.